Chapter Six, Part Two of the Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sudeshna. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni, Chapter Six, Part Two. In the meantime, there had been plans proposed and debated in Lucia's cottage, with which it is necessary to acquaint the reader. After the departure of the friar, the three friends remained some time silent. Lucia, with a sorrowful heart, preparing the dinner. Renzo, irresolute and changing his position every moment, to avoid the sight of her mournful face, yet without heart to leave her. Agnes, apparently intent upon the reel she was winding. Though in fact she was deliberating upon a plan, and when she thought it sufficiently matured, she broke the silence with these words: "Listen, my children. If you have as much courage and dexterity as is required, if you will trust your mother, this your mother addressed to both made Lucia's heart bound within her. I will undertake to get you out of this difficulty. Better perhaps and more quickly than Father Cristoforo, though he is a man." Lucia stopped and looked at her mother with a face more expressive of wonder than of confidence in so magnificent a promise. And Renzo hastily exclaimed, "Courage, dexterity! Tell me, tell me, what can we do?" If you were married, continued Agnes, it would be the great difficulty out of the way, wouldn't it? And couldn't we easily find a remedy for all the rest? Is there any doubt? Said Renzo, if we were married. One may live anywhere, and at Bergamo, not far from here, a silk weaver would be received with open arms. You know how often my cousin Bortolo has wanted me to go and live with him, that I might make a fortune as he has done. And if I have never listened to him, it is, you know, because my heart was here. Once married, we would all go thither together and live in blessed peace, out of the civilian's reach, and far from temptation to do a rash deed. Isn't it true, Lucia? Yes," said Lucia. "But how? As I have told you," replied Agnes. "Be bold and expert, and the thing is easy." Easy! At the same moment, exclaimed the two lovers, to whom it had become so strangely and sadly difficult. "Easy, if you know how to go about it," replied Agnes. "Listen attentively to me, and I will try and make you understand it. I have heard say by people who ought to know, and I have seen it myself in one case." That to solemnize a marriage, a curate, of course, is necessary, but not his good will or consent. It is enough if he is present. How can this be? asked Renzo. Listen, and you shall hear. There must be two witnesses, nimble and well agreed. They must go to the priest. The point is to take him by surprise, that he mayn't have time to escape. The man says, "Senor curate, this is my wife." The woman says, "Senor curate, this is my husband." It is necessary that the curate and the witnesses hear it, and then the marriage is just as valid and sacred as if the Pope had blessed it. When once the words are spoken, the curate may fret and fume and storm, but it will do no good. You are man and wife. Is it possible? Exclaimed Lucia. What said Agnes? Do you think I have learnt nothing in the thirty years I was in the world before you? The thing is just as I told you, and a friend of mine is a proof of it. Who, wishing to be married against the will of her parents, did as I was saying and gained her end. The curate suspected it and was on the watch, 
but they knew so well how to go about it that they arrived just at the right moment, said the words and became man and wife. Though she, poor thing, repented of it before three days were over. It was, in fact, as Agnes had represented it. Marriages contracted in this manner were then, and are even to this day, acknowledged valid. As, however, this expedient was never resorted to, but by those who had met with some obstacle or refusal in the ordinary method, the priest took great care to avoid such forced cooperation. And if one of them happened to be surprised by a couple, accompanied with witnesses, he tried every means of escape, like Proteus in the hands of those who would make him prophecy by force. If it were true, Lucia, said Renzo, fixing his eyes upon her with a look of imploring expectation. What if it were true, replied Agnes, you think then I tell lies? I do my best for you, and am not believed? Very well, get out of the difficulty as you can. I wash my hands of it. Ah, no, don't forsake us, cried Renzo. I said so because it appeared too good a thing. I place myself in your hands, and will consider you as if you were really my mother. These words instantly dispelled the momentary indignation of Agnes, and made her forget a resolution, which in reality had only been in word. But why then, mother, said Lucia, in her usual gentle manner, why didn't this plan come into Father Cristoforo's mind? Into his mind, replied Agnes. Do you think it didn't come into his mind? But he wouldn't speak of it. Why? demanded they both at once. Because, because if you must know it, the friars think that it is not exactly a proper thing. How can it help standing firm and being well done when it is done? said Renzo. How can I tell you? replied Agnes. Other people have made the law as they pleased, and we poor people can't understand all. And then how many things? See, it is like giving a Christian a blow. It isn't right, but when it is once given, not even the Pope can recall it. If it isn't right, said Lucia, we ought not to do it. What? said Agnes. Would I give you advice contrary to the fear of God? If it were against the will of your parents and to marry a rogue, but when I am satisfied and it is to wed this youth, and he who makes all this disturbance is a villain, and the signor curate, it is as clear as the sun, said Renzo. One did not speak to Father Cristoforo before doing it, continued Agnes. But when it is once done and has well succeeded, what do you think the father will say to you? Ah, daughter, it was a sad error, but it is done. The friars, you know, must talk so. But trust me, in his heart he will be very well satisfied. Without being able to answer such reasoning, Lucia did not think it appeared very convincing. But Renzo, quite encouraged, said, Since it is thus, the thing is done. Gently, said Agnes, the witnesses, where are they to be found? Then how will you manage to get at the signor curate, who has been shut up in his house two days? And how make him stand when you do get at him? For though he is weighty enough naturally, I dare venture to say, when he sees you make your appearance in such a guise, he will become as nimble as a cat, and flee like the devil from holy water. I have found a way, I found one, cried Renzo, striking the table with his clenched hand, till he made the dinner things quiver and rattle with the blow, and he proceeded to relate his design, which Agnes entirely approved. It is all confusion, said Lucia, it is not perfectly honest. Till now we have always acted sincerely. Let us go on in faith, and God will help us. Father Cristoforo said so. Do listen to his advice. Be guided by those who know better than you, said Agnes gravely. What need is there to ask advice? 
God bids us help ourselves and then he will help us. We will tell the father all about it when it is over. Lucia, said Renzo, will you fail me now? Have we not done all like good Christians? Ought we not now to have been man and wife? Didn't the curate himself fix the day and hour? And whose fault is it if we are now obliged to use a little cunning? No, no, you won't fail me. I'm going and will come back with an answer. So saying, he gave Lucia an imploring look and Agnes a very knowing glance and hastily took his departure. It is said that trouble sharpens the wit and Renzo, who in the upright and straightforward path he had hitherto followed, had never had occasion to sharpen his in any great degree, had in this instance planned a design that would have done honour to a lawyer. He went directly, as he had purposed, to a cottage near at hand, belonging to a certain Tonio, whom he found busy in the kitchen, with one knee resting on the stand of a chaffing dish, holding in his right hand the handle of a saucepan that stood on the burning embers, and stirring with a broken rolling pin, a little grey polenta, one of turkey flour. The mother, brother and wife of Tonio were seated at the table, and three or four little children stood around, waiting, with eyes eagerly fixed on the saucepan, till the gruel should be ready to pour out. But the pleasure was wanting which the sight of dinner usually gives to those who have earned it by hard labour. The quantity of the polenta was rather in proportion to the times than to the number and inclinations of the household. And each one eyeing the common food with envious looks of strong desire seemed to be measuring the extent of appetite likely to survive it. While Renzo was exchanging salutations with the family, Tonio poured out the polenta into the wooden trencher that stood ready to receive it, and it looked like a little moon in a large circle of vapour. Nevertheless, the women courteously said to Renzo, Will you take some with us? A compliment that the Lombard peasant never fails to pay to anyone who finds him at a meal, even though the visitor were a rich glutton, just risen from table, and he were at the last mouthful. Thank you, replied Renzo. I only came to say a word or two to Tonio, and if you like, Tonio, not to disturb your family, we can go dine at the inn and talk there. This proposal was as acceptable to Tonio as it was unexpected, and the women, not unwilling, saw one competitor from the polenta removed, and that the most formidable. Tonio did not require a second asking, and they set off together. Arrived at the village inn, they sat down at their ease, perfectly alone since the prevailing poverty had banished all the usual frequenters of the scene of mirth and joviality. They called for the little that was to be had, and having emptied a glass of wine, Renzo addressed Tonio with an air of mystery. If you will do me a small favour, I will do you a great one. What is it? Tell me. I am at your service, replied Tonio, pouring out another glass. I am ready to go into the fire for you today. You are in debt, twenty-five livres to the senior curate for the rent of his field that you worked last year. Ah, Renzo, Renzo, you've spoiled your kindness. Why did you remind me of it now? You've put to flight all my goodwill towards you. If I reminded you of your debt, said Renzo, it is because I intend, if you like, to give you the means of paying it. Do you really mean so? I do really. Well, are you content? Content? I should think so indeed. If it were for no other reason than to get rid of those tormenting looks and shakes of the head the senior curate gives me every time I meet him, and then it is always, 
Tonio, remember? Tonio, when shall I see you to settle this business? He goes so far that when he fixes his eyes upon me in preaching, I am half afraid he'll say publicly, Those twenty-five livres? I wish the twenty-five livres were far away. And then he will have to give me back my wife's gold necklace, and I could change it into so much polenta. But, but if you'll do me a little service, the twenty-five livres are ready. With all my heart, go on. But, said Renzo, laying his finger across his lips, need you tell me that? You know me. The signor curate has been starting some absurd objections to delay my marriage. They tell me for certain that if we go before him with two witnesses and I say, This is my wife and Lucia, this is my husband, the marriage is valid. Do you understand me? You want me to go as a witness? Yes. And you will pay the twenty-five livres for me? That is what I mean. He is a goose that would fail. But we must find another witness. I have him. That young clownish brother of mine, Gervais, will do anything I bid him. You will pay him with something to drink? And to eat too, replied Renzo. We will bring him here to make merry with us. But will he know what to do? I will teach him. You know I have got his share of brains. Tomorrow? Well. Towards evening? Very well. But, said Renzo, again putting his finger on his lips. Bah! replied Tonio, bending his head on his right shoulder and raising his left hand, with a look that seemed to say, Do you doubt me? But if your wife questions you, as without doubt she will, I owe my wife some lies, and so many that I don't know if I shall ever manage to balance the account. I'll find some idle story to put her heart at rest, I warrant you. Tomorrow, said Renzo, we will make arrangements that everything may go on smoothly. So saying, they left the inn. Tonio bending his steps homewards and contriving some tale to relate to the women, and Renzo to give an account of the concerted arrangements. In the meanwhile, Agnes had been vainly endeavouring to convince her daughter. To every argument Lucia opposed one side or other of a dilemma. Either the thing is wrong and we ought not to do it, or it is not wrong and why not tell it to Father Cristoforo? Renzo arrived quite triumphant and reported his success, finishing with a uh-huh, a Milanese interjection which signifies, Am I a man or not? Can you find a better plan? Would it ever have entered your head and a hundred other such things? Lucia shook her head doubtfully, but the other two enthusiasts paid little attention to it, as one does to a child when one despairs of making it understand all the reasons of a thing, and determines to induce it by entreaties or authority to do as it is required. It goes on well, said Agnes, very well, but you haven't thought of everything. What is wanting? replied Renzo. Perpetua, you haven't thought of Perpetua. She will admit Tonio and his brother well enough, but you, you too, just think. You will have to keep her at a distance, as one keeps a boy from a pear tree full of ripe fruit. Hmm, how shall we manage? said Renzo, beginning to think. See now, I have thought of that too. I will go with you, and I have a secret that will draw her away and engage her, so that she shan't see you, and you can go in. I'll call her out, and will touch a cord. You shall see. Bless you, exclaimed Renzo. I always said you are our help in everything. But all this is of no use, said Agnes, unless we can persuade Lucia, who persists in saying it is a sin. Renzo brought in all his eloquence to his aid, but Lucia continued immovable. I cannot answer all your arguments, said she, but I see that to do what you want, we shall be obliged to use a great deal of disguise, falsehood, and deceit. Ah, oh, Renzo, we didn't begin so. 
I wish to be your wife, and she could never pronounce this word or give expression to this desire without a deep flush overspreading her cheek. I wish to be your wife, but in the right way, in the fear of God at the altar. Let us leave all to him who is above. Do you think he cannot find means to help us better than we, with all these deceitful ways? And why make a mystery of it to Father Cristoforo? The dispute was still prolonged, and seemed not likely to come to a speedy conclusion, when the hasty tread of sandals and the sound of a rustling cassock, resembling the noise produced by repeated gusts of wind in a slackened sail, announced the approach of Father Cristoforo. There was instant silence, and Agnes had scarcely time to whisper in Lucia's ear, Be sure you say nothing about it. End of chapter 6, part 2 Recording by Sudeshna